Awesome. Well, Craig Rosenberg, who almost needs no introduction, I appreciate you joining me today. Uh, but for the marketing side of the house, uh, to give you some credentials on Craig, he's the co-founder and chief analyst at Topo and also the editor of Funnelholic. Uh, great content about both sales and marketing, especially around alignment, marketing automation, and account-based marketing. Uh, and you're consistently voted one of the top sales and marketing influencers. Craig, thanks so much for joining me today. No problem, Mike. It's great to be here. So I thought this would be a good segment, kind of across the table, uh, myself being in more demand generation pipeline areas, which is kind of a nuance compared to traditional marketing and you being on the sales side. You know, I wanted just to pick your brain on the whole kind of topic of alignment. We hear a lot of everyone should be aligned around revenue, those kind of pieces, um, but you don't actually hear a lot of practical advice to, to getting there. And I know that's kind of where Topo fills in that, that gap is to go into companies do full audits of their process and uh, kind of make things more streamlined. Um, so first, just kind of wanted to throw you, throw you a little curveball here and say, um, you know, when you're starting to talk to these sales teams, what is something they've always wanted to say to marketing department but maybe haven't actually brought it up? There's not much a sales team has not said to the marketing department. Probably more that they regret than, um, than things they haven't said. Um, so... <laughs> I just laugh. <laughs> such a great question, considering how mean sales guys have been over the years to marketing. But uh, but but I, I think um, uh, if I might just like make the make the general point that I think um, part of the pain with alignment has been um, there's one there's the, the, the differentialities basically mean you'll almost always butt heads. Alignment doesn't mean that you're friends. Alignment just means that you're both working to achieve goals, and that's really important. Salespeople, by their nature, when they're good, can be very difficult. And, um, you know, they, they naturally challenge everyone around them. And so it's hard. And marketing is, is you know, they're they doing their best to serve this big, giant beast and feels like uh, he or she's never satisfied. So there's always going to be you know, some tension there. But, but I think the – what I would say is uh, sales is always going to have something that they feel like marketing could do better. But the big one, uh, at least, you know, because I know you, you mentioned sort of account-based. You know, the whole account-based movement stems from a misalignment around the ideal customer profile. It really does because, um, you know, marketing's gotten so good at generating leads. They can really generate leads. Right. I mean, I mean, you can. I know you probably went in there and generated thousands of leads in your first month. Right. Because they're, they're, we know how to go do it now. The problem has been um, that the companies, right, that, you know, who we're sending over didn't really align with who was really, a, you know, someone that we could actually have a, a you know, a good, uh, a good opportunity to go close. So. You know, one of the things that I, one of the reasons I'm so supportive of the account-based movement is because that's been a problem. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've been in an account. They're like marketing's generating five to 10,000 leads a month and sales is still complaining. Marketing can't figure it out because they're like, nobody else is delivering 5,000 leads. What's this guy's problem? And it's generally a miss on really figuring out who the right company is and the right people at that company that we should talk to. So I do feel like the, the enlightenment around account-based is really going to help with alignment. I, I really do. Um, but again, you know, like I said, 
you know, I tell marketers all the time, look, guys, it, it's you're not going to get invited to their wedding. It, it's it's always going to be tension. It's the nature of your relationship. But you know, whether you guys can work together and believe that at the end of the day, you're both adding value. I think we need to continue to align around the ideal customer profile. And I think that 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 will that will it won't solve everything, but it'll get us a lot farther along than we are today. So on that point, we can talk about kind of the looking at the buyer's journey. So you're absolutely right. I mean, as far as marketing has been concerned, we only kind of optimized to what we could track. And for a lot of times, it was just we could track how many leads we were bringing in with the content downloads. We could track how many demos were set. What we start to realize is maybe the quality of those demos are really poor. I'm wasting SDRs time, wasting sales time, or we're just um, ballooning our da database. And we're not actually nurturing those um, leads in there. So on that notion, you know, um, today sales is heavily, I mean, marketing is heavily incentivized to look to, towards demos, what we call MQL uh, typically, and then sales is looking at more like pipelines uh, and those kind of things, and there's a huge disconnect. So how do you go about looking at forming a process across this department that's really in the best interest of the buyer? Uh, yeah, that's not easy. Um, I know, it's Friday, and I'm giving you a couple slingers here, but... No, I, well, it's a good point, right? Um, and I think, uh, so there's a couple things. So everything's, uh, this is, I'm going to make the most, a statement that I hate, and then let me layer onto it, which is it all, okay. it does, it does all depend on the buyer, right? And, um, and that's when I talk about the ideal customer profile, I think there's a mindset thing that we just need to sync up on, which is, I think in a leads world, it's about the buyer persona, and it accounts for it's about the company, then the people. And that's really important. So, you know, we spent a lot of time during the, the digital marketing revolution uh, talking about buyer personas, and I believe in them. I love them. But uh, that, that shouldn't be what we lead with. What we lead with is the company. And what I would say to that, if, if you, in a quantitative or qualitative way can identify the right kinds of companies that will typically become customers um, uh, and figure out how they want to engage, right? Um, you know, you, you can make a lot of ground there. What I would say, though, is if you have a very narrow – one of the things with ABM is you took a whole, the whole world and then said, here's a subset. In an ABM world, sales has to be willing – to have a discussion with someone no matter where they are in the buying journey. The most important factors are, is it the right company and the right person? Because otherwise, don't go account-based. It, it won't work, right? Because if, you know, if a sales rep had 1,000, 10,000 potential companies to work with before, now they've got 100, you got to talk to them. What you say to them, though, in the experience, so like for me, in that one, a marketing handoff is right person, right company in the sales. And they should be judged on that because it's easier now. See, one of the reasons why you measure uh, marketing on pipeline is because before uh, measuring against MQLs in a net world, right, where you're just grabbing everything you can, uh, it's a false positive, right? So I gave the example, like, you know, we went into a company, six thousand a month, 7% fell into the ICP. Who the heck wants to, like, reward someone for doing that, right? It's just it, not, most of these are not going to turn into business, and you're just 
bogging everyone down. So, uh, you know, when you when, but in an account-based world, it's about marketing and sales development's job is to get the right people at the right companies in front of sales. And so that that's actually easy to align that metric against the buyer. What the salesperson does on that first call and how they walk them through the journey, that varies based on the buyer. So for for example, I've seen lots of companies now um, not do a demo. The first call with sales is not a demo, right? It's too early. Just, just a needs out analysis, or what does that look like? Well, you could do needs analysis. You could do, like, if you had 100 companies and you had to get in front of people, you know, uh, you could do, like, I have a company, and they're in the consumer marketing space, and their actual pitch in sales development and in marketing is to do a use case presentation of what they did with Microsoft because it's so extraordinary and the story's so versatile. And that's what everyone, you know, they're very account-based. They only deal with the 200 top digital ad spenders. And what they found was sales can't call, sales development can't call and say, I want a demo um, because they get hit all the time. You guys know the consumer ad space is just ridiculous, right? Yeah. Well, what they said instead was, well, let's offer to tell them about, uh, you know, how Microsoft did this, this, and this, and all the ins and outs, what the scenario was, what all the things that we did. And they made that the first offer. They're not even selling. They're doing some very basic discovery. But that was the first offer because the markets, they know the buyer. The buyer's getting 800 calls a day. They're getting pitched on everything. Because, you know, you know this, a consumer marketer gets pitched by, Commodity product people like ad people, they get hit by software people, they get hit by agency people, media buying people. It's just really hard. And so, um, they, what they did know is that these marketers like to go to trade shows. They like to read information about what their peers are doing. So you made a great decision on what the buying experience would be like at the front end of the cycle. And so when you think about, like to me, in an account-based world, it's still – the idea is, like, let's get the right companies and the right people over to sales. But what sales does is highly dependent on your buyers and, and what the market looks like. And in that use case, it worked incredible. So, you know, I told you how they did it. They analyzed all the things that happen to a buyer, you know, their buyer on a daily basis. What's their day in life like? And uh, looked at kind of what they like. Like, what do they like to consume, right? Going to trade. They love trade shows. Consumer marketers love trade shows. Um, they love hearing their peers speak and all this stuff. And so that's how they sort of came to their offer, and it's it's brilliant. And then there's another company, more more of an enterprise play as well, where nobody knows what they do. And then the market kind of changed so people knew what they do but couldn't figure out if they needed them but really wanted to know more. So they offered to fly – uh, their first offer, it's a big company, was to say, it was to actually lead with the first conversation was about what what the market is doing. The person would obviously say, well, I have no idea. I think we would need something like that. And so what they would do is they'd fly these two value engineers to the company, have them spend half a day running analysis on everything they're doing, and then produce this, like, really valuable report to let them know all the you know, all the roadblocks and all the things that are happening in the company. And what that did was it literally, they didn't even talk about their company for the first 25% of the sales process. 
It's because their buyers needed it. They're, they couldn't tell. You couldn't even do an hour-long discovery call and get them to really think about what was happening there today. So they spend money on it. They charge enough to make it work. But that's that's another sort of answer to the buyer based on where they are in general in the market. There's obviously people that would come in and say, I'm ready to buy, but most likely not. That allowed them to create a buying experience that their buyers really needed and wanted and added a lot of value. They, they didn't close every deal that everyone flew on site, so they got a little worried about that. But in the long tail, they did. Right? Anybody who ended up, they basically, they went in and said to someone, you need this, and it took them seven months to actually do something about it. They were okay with that. It was still a great buying experience for their buyer. So on that note, let's say you, you come to agreement as a company philosophy, hey, we're going to try ABM. There's kind of two uh, main concerns about that. So first, how do you get marketing messaging in alignment with sales messaging? So you know you have SDRs or AEs doing cold outreach at times. Um, they're, they're coming with their own kind of catered pitch. Uh, you have marketing sometimes with too broad of a message. And how do you kind of align that? So the, it seems like a natural fit, right, where someone in a, a targeted account uh, who's uh, either influencer or the decision maker kind of sees, has a consistent kind of journey or message where they're not seeing um, two different ways of pitching the same service or product. Um, or if they're getting a really targeted marketing message, for example, they may get a, um, like a templated um, SDR message that may uh, cause them to jump. So how do you kind of bring those messaging in alignment when there's two different processes of how the prospecting and kind of warming up leads goes? Yeah. So, uh, well, first of all, just, just to... Um, to give you my nomenclature for this move, we call it account-based everything. Um, because account-based marketing is, is uh, just a part of it. Um, you know, in our data, you know, out of our high-growth data set, you know, which is about 100, um, 170 SDR programs that are in high-growth companies, and out of those, I think 95 have outbound teams. Uh, so 30% of those roughly are going to go into account-based sales development this year. So, um, you know, there's all these sort of different silos that are going account-based. For us, the, the way to think about it is account-based everything. If you decide you're going to go after a set of accounts, then everyone needs to align. Marketing, sales development, sales, product, CS, you name it. Because... Um, oftentimes, one, per, one part of the group in isolation makes this decision, and that doesn't work, right? Because uh, an example is I brought a product. Well, if the product is, let's say you say, I'm going to go in the enterprise, and the product's not a fit for the enterprise. There's an easy example right there. Or you decide, we're going to go after healthcare. Well, the product should support the best product for healthcare, right, that's available on the market. Whatever that might be, everything needs to align. And you got to think of it account by account. Basis. That's, it's a mentality change. When you do account-based everything, you look at an account or a set of accounts and you run a very personalized, customized campaign to that account. You don't think of everyone in isolation. Everything is a deliberate effort. So, you know, account-based marketing, everyone thinks, oh, well, you know, you just do this. You don't. There's lots of things you do. So you take a theme based on what you know about those accounts. You try to make it as personal as possible. If you have a very small set of accounts, if we have clients with tiny accounts, then you get really deep and you figure out all the things that are happening at those accounts for the year, right? And you can create 
literally custom messaging against those. In a more scalable account-based marketing view, you can start to put accounts into big blocks. You verticalize them. You can um, put them in sort of, you know, competitive blocks if you have code, so all this kind of stuff. Put them together, and then you then you you go left to right. You think, you know, what are the um, different touches? What are, well, sorry, what's the campaign theme that we're going to run against those guys? And then you run it left to right across everything you do, um, and that and that's really key. So um, because otherwise, the SDRs are in a tight spot. If you go account based, they they can't call everyone. They should not send that templatized email. Remember, templatized emails are roulette wheels, right? And, <laughs> yeah. And so it's a zero double zero roulette, so it's like a one in 17 chance that you're going to hit. And that's fine when you have enough rolls of the wheel, but if you only get 100 rolls of the roulette wheel, then you're going to have to increase your odds. And the only way you do this is by trying to get that as close to what the buyer cares about as possible across the entire revenue chain. So I'll give you I brought up the company that has 25 accounts. I'll just use them as an example. So they'll find three major pains that are happening at that account, and then they'll create campaigns, the campaign for the next year against what's happening at the account. The executive will send a letter that says, hey, you know, you, you know, try to determine whether you can um, – you know, sell, get more revenue from your relationship with Walmart. We've learned a number of things along the way. I'd love to share them with you. Um, and then you have marketing and sending messaging about the same theme. I, by the way, I didn't say the theme. I was giving an example. One of the things that, you know, they sell to big consumer companies and they want to sell to Walmart. Like, you know, they would take that theme and say how to sell better in a Walmart. So the executive would talk to the executive about it. Uh, the SBR messaging, instead of saying, hey, can I demo the product? Say, you know, one of the things that we've, we've had a lot of learnings about how to more effectively sell to Walmart, we'd love to talk to you about that. Marketing's white papers on how to sell to Walmart. You uh, put on a webinar about the, all the All the things that go, their retargeting ads are about reselling to Walmart. Their personalization, they come to the website, is about Walmart. And um, like I said, it goes to SDRs, then sales. Here's the thing on sales is one of the things you learn in an account-based everything scenario is what I just talked about before. Everyone does all this really creative, personalized stuff, and then sales comes in with a demo and goes, thank you for coming today. Mr. Systems Engineer, show them the demo. And actually, that doesn't work. Like, you want to tie everything to that campaign, so I talked before about that company that's sort of leading with use cases. Those use cases start in marketing, they roll all the way through until they're product. So what sales does on that first call, if we're leading with talking about how people are trying to do better selling to Walmart, that's the first conversation sales has to have. So what you find is initially sales, yes. Then you dig into it like, what? Like, no, I'm just going to pitch the product. They got to Okay, well, we're going to try it. Let's take a couple of them on this personalized campaign. And then sales will find that they have much deeper relationships before they start selling with their client. They have thought leadership, real value in the organization before they go, and then they're bought in and ready to go. So that's an example of the left to right, is to think about an account-by-account basis what a campaign would look like. And if a single account can scale, fine. Just put them in groups. 
but you got to have campaigns that are really relevant to them and what's going on in their company. And when you do that, sales development actually comes aboard because it's a much better sell. It's a template you know, you get send. It's like you get to talk about real themes that will allow you to convert better. In sales, instead of getting on and falls for bands and then getting off, they actually can get deeper in organizations because they've got some value add that came along with this campaign that they can deliver to a client. And when it comes to that philosophy, um, how does it kind of work with incentives? So, you know, before marketing basically didn't have much to track. Now they're starting to track a little bit more, but usually marketing's budget from a tools perspective, from a headcount perspective versus sales, uh, in the past is more about what they could attribute that original source from. So if it came from marketing uh, with a closed one, you do have some influence of opportunity there, uh, but budgets align based on that. Now you're talking about account-based marketing uh, where you're talking about engagement within an account. So it's already in your database most likely or it's been prospected by a CR, uploaded into your database. Um, how do you look at it from, you know, if you're a CEO or you're, and you're looking at or you're head of marketing and head of sales, when you start looking at allocation of budget and the headcount and things like that, how does this change within the ABM framework? Like how do you measure that success uh, when it's more of, um, you know, it's a light touch. It's, it's more like an assist most of the time because they're already in their database versus like a net new contact that comes through closed one. Uh, yeah, just wondering on, you know, from a philosophical uh, standpoint, like where is budget allocation in the ABM framework? How do you hold people responsible and how you track it? Yeah, it's a really good question. So um, the ABM metric set has changed, right? Because we made our living as demand gen guys off just them up when we got the little download, right? And uh, that's uh, that's not going to happen here. And by the way, if you do sign up for that and you go into a campaign, you're going to see a slowdown. It's like let's say you're moving from volume and velocity, industrial strength, demand gen to account based, you're headed to a slowdown. Right, like the 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 level of activity is about to decrease exponentially, and that's hard for people to come to terms with. Absolutely. Uh, and so, you know, I believe that there's, um, so uh, it depends on how you're going to run your ABM business. And I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I, I was just thinking about this hilarious story where. I spent months convincing these guys when you looked at their data that they only sold the four verticals, right? And I was, let's just believe it. Like, why are we fighting? Well, we should be able to sell them more. It's like, oh my God, like, it was like they would just, they wouldn't win the deals. And it wasn't them, it was literally the buyer, right? And they were mobile. They did mobile marketing automation, and they wanted to sell to anybody with a mobile app. And it's like, no, man, there are people that just don't care, right? And uh, and if they might pretend they care on the first couple calls, but they don't care enough to fight at the end and give you a hundred dollars, right? Just couldn't get it. It was amazing. So finally, I quote unquote convinced them to do that. And one month in, sales was like, and sales was, oh yeah, I mean, then one month in, sales was like, well, where's all the leads? And I'm like, oh my God. why did we agree to do this, man? This is not going to change overnight. But anyway, so I believe you you have to, um, I don't have the perfect answer for this yet, because I do know how marketers should look at it, how the rest of the organization looks at it. It's going to take a lot of um, 
lobbying, right? Because yeah. what the good news for marketers is they were able to give like scoreboard like uh, big results, right, with the lead numbers. And now instead they're going to have to look at uh, true re revenue, and they're going to have to look at um, opportunities created in the target accounts, right? Um, because um, because that that's that's really the reality. I I honestly would not look at pipeline created, and the reason is is uh, we actually we're, we should be okay with marketing um, taking 12 months for the biggest deal possible instead of them hoping that all these little things that you have to do to like if if GEs on your target account list, it'll take 22 meetings and 120 touches to turn them into a million dollar deal. And so, you know, I don't, so I don't like the pipeline metric there. But I do like, you know, opportunities created in the, in the, in the target account list. I do like, you know, so like Aptis, you know, she's a, the marketing there is a big ABM girl and she's tied to revenue. And she's like, when she went in there, look, she was, she was from Marketo. So she practically invented the demand gen game. And she went in there and said, I don't want you to track me on leads. I don't want you to track me on clicks. Just track me on revenue because I'm going to throw the book at these accounts. And that's work, but that doesn't always work for everyone. So what I would say is you have these end metrics, but you have to have, you have to help the company understand that you have these KPI-like metrics that tell you that they're leading indicators that things are going well. So one is engagement against your target accounts is huge. I know it's soft metrics, dude, but like if someone gets served an ad, and if an executive gets served an ad in your target accounts, we got to know that. If they went to an event, if they had a conversation, if they um, cruised your website, all of these things matter on an account-by-account basis, and you have to look at it. That is a leading indicator because, right, look, Here's the thing is oftentimes in ABM we're choosing an account where the the key buyer is someone who would never click on an ad, would never download the 10 reasons to buy online marketing white paper you have. Uh, everything we do is part of influencing them to probably a one-to-one -one meeting with a sales rep or an executive. And when I talk to a sales team, I say, here's all the things they're going to do. They say, hell yeah, I want marketing to go do that. Um, and so we have to track that. We have to look at things like we have to get really smart about the metrics. We have to look at overall engagement, right, against all the channels that marketing is going to use against that account and then figure out what the, what the results are against all of that activity, right? So how many meetings does that create and how many – um, deals does that ultimately create down the line? And we have to look at those KPI metrics. It's crazy. It's like those are soft metrics. I said, yeah, in isolation they are. If you're looking at, uh, you know, impressions and all those things, yeah, in isolation they seem soft, but they're so important. They change people's mindset. They're killer. They're like so important that like let's put them in a portfolio and look at all the things that we did across all the different channels to that buyer. And, you know, you have to, you have to, you know, there's, there's an imperfect algorithm to that, but that, that is part of the game. It really is. The key is whatever metrics you look at is all per account. Like how am I doing against the target list? But if you don't look at 
um, metrics, top of the you know, like top of the marketing funnel metrics, things like impressions, clicks, all these things, website visits, old school stuff that we told everyone to move away from. Um, and again, like I said, looking at a one line item, yeah, a little tough. But looking at it as a big thing with all the things that it's doing for an account, it actually gets people excited. You know, I uh, I was meeting with one account. I asked sales how it, was, how it was going. They didn't really have that many deals yet. It just started a month and a half ago. But they loved the fact that they were getting updates on their accounts and how many touches uh, the, the accounts were getting. They loved it. It was funny because marketing was so afraid of that because they're like, we're going to say, where's the beat? Actually, sales was so excited because they always felt like their accounts were neglected. So anyway, uh, so specifically, it's it's opportunities created against your target account, but you got to look at like the the total engage the total engagement score against that account, uh, you know, on a monthly basis. I I mean. Uh I was very skeptical of the model, um, and we're a little bit more mid-tier, but it's when we've seen, our CEO now calls it the puffer fish strategy, it makes your company seem a lot larger when you take a section of your database and you're going after them with advertising, uh, emails, and uh, kind of nurturing with uh, webinars and stuff like that. They, I talked to a couple individuals, they were just like, we thought you guys were huge, we can't believe your, your staff's so small, um, just because we're expanding into that. Uh, but switching gears a little bit, like we, uh, you know, I'm a firm believer if you're on the front of the line, if you're a business person, you're really a salesperson and a marketing person, no matter what department that you're on. Uh, yeah. So now you have some really great sales guys who are getting more into the social selling movement, um, who are starting to become bigger advocates and talk about to the prospect more than just trying to close them. They try to give, you know, relevant information about the industry, make that connection, make it a little bit more warm. How can we, uh, so I, I've had a couple of those in previous organizations, and I love working with them because they're so excited, but how can marketing empower that? How can they um, kind of help steer that conversation as well? Um, you know, just essentially loading that cannon with fodder so when that social selling guy goes out there and he's, he's um, making those relationships happen, uh, he's got a whole kind of bevy of marketing material that he can go after. Well, first of all, I will take... Uh, Exception to social selling, uh, it's just good selling. You Fair. know, it, it really is. Uh, I mean, like I'm just being a nitpicker. I just don't even know what social selling means anymore. But uh, that's just good selling. You know, I mean, it's like I'm telling you, you're a young man, but when I was a young sales guy, I mean, we had to look through S ones and. Uh, SE, you know, SEC filings, and I mean, I had to go to do discovery with a client. I used to have to come back with five pages of notes that I had to present to my boss. This was fundamental selling from the get-go. You have access to more data than you ever did before, but it's just the right way to go sell. And so, sorry, I just have to say that because everyone's like, "Oh, it's so new to like add value to the client." Oh, like. I mean, I used to get yelled at all the time for not, like, knowing every little thing about my clients. So, um, but, but how can you enable them? So there's one is, I think, uh, we've definitely seen as part of being more buyer-centric uh, content that's built specifically for the sales process. You know, what marketing thinks about content in terms of virality and conversion, not in terms of utility. And uh, product marketing doesn't think about utility either. They think about the product. 
uh, and uh, that leads to some really horrible content for this. And so yeah. you know, uh, there's a real commitment being made by high growth companies into like being able to provide sales with the materials they need in order to overcome objections, to break through roadblocks, and to provide value to the client when they're not in front of them. And that requires content that marketing sits down with sales and figures out, here's how the clients buy. And I know marketing says they look at the buying journey, but it's from a marketing perspective. They do, you know, they do a good, they're like, oh, and they're here, I'll serve them this content. But actually, we've got to dig even deeper and look at it from a sales perspective, right? I'm having this conversation with this person. They're looking at five other vendors. Here are their key questions. And being able to give sales something that they can give to them and say, look, I care about you. I understand what you do. And, you know, uh, here's, this is for you. So, the, so you have to be able to arm them with that content. Then you have to let, give them an opportunity to be able to go find that. That's one of the hotter tech markets right now in the sales tech stack is con sales content delivery management. Because people are getting really good. And then they're going to sales and going, sales still isn't using it. I'm like, what do you want them to do? They can't find it. Get it through their email. And so there's there's lots of apps to go solve it. So that's one. The other thing I think though is part of ABM is, you know, we believe you create account teams. Um, uh, so, you know, when you're, you assign marketers into a, or to a set of accounts or to an account, um, when you do account planning or territory planning, marketing's part of that, um, so that, you know, marketing can actually enable sales with these campaigns and talk track that they're going to do in their marketing campaigns that the SDRs are going to put into their messaging um, outbound prospecting and that sales can use when they go engage with their clients. And so that's really been huge for sales, right? Because we can act, you know, a lot of times everyone says, well, can you enable sales to be able to do that? But when it's general, it's really hard. But if, if it's specific and it's like, okay, well, we're going to work on getting every soda company in the face of the earth and you're the account executive. Mike is in charge of, you know, helping you from the marketing demand side. You have an executive sponsor as well. You have an SDR. Now let's get after it. And the first thing you do in those teams, you look at, well, what does the market care about? What do these accounts care about? Now let's design all the messages we want to say across the way. And, um, you know, believe it or not, actually likes that as long as we can give them what they need to go do that. So that's the second part, I think, uh, that I've seen, yeah, I've seen the change. I would agree with you that it comes down just building relationships, standard, really good sales, just being a good salesperson. Uh, but where I have seen it a little, it's a little bit different is, you know, as a marketer myself, I, I, I give a Google voice number wherever I fill out a demo, and I don't look at my inbox to get special spam filters just for SDRs, but uh, I've seen sales guys, you know, land demos with uh, VP levels, even CEO levels just on Twitter. Um, when someone tweets at me, they bump a couple of my articles, um, I typically take exception to that, and it's a little bit more open uh, yeah. at times. Totally. So don't get me wrong. Hey, man, I've got, I don't know, I was about to look up so I could quote it. I've got 25, 26,000 followers. I'm on LinkedIn all day. Don't get me wrong. I actually, what you described is social posting. Um, social selling, though, I think is the misnomer. Social selling is like, that just to me just makes it really 
it, it's like it takes this the the art and science of selling and just makes it really small like and it's confusing you know you know when I, I remember when it first came out and this old school sales guy we used to make fun of them oh the dinosaurs they don't get it now if I, oh they're right they're saying well what are you going to do be across from a client and tweet at him and it's like that that that's right social prospecting though using every channel you can get to to get to a prospect is totally totally in play as a matter of fact in an account based world social will see a renaissance as a result because you have to use if you have less accounts you have to use every channel at your disposal to get in the door and if it's twitter or linkedin or whatever that might be then so be it but um i was just trying to be very difficult about the word social selling but i believe in social prospecting because it works great and I think the, the very last thing I wanted to follow up with, um, last question here would be, how does marketing get better in tune with who the actual buyer is? A lot of times we craft these personas. They're not really who you're, the sales is speaking to. You know, sales at the end of the day is the one talking every single day to these prospects. They understand the true pain points. And a lot of times there's a disconnect with what marketing is going after. We just don't know. Like we're not doing these surveys. We're not really going to talk to people. How can we do a better job of truly understanding who's ideal uh, fit for our service or product? Well, so to me, there's a difference between determining who's a good fit and what they care about and creating a persona. So who's a good fit? I believe you should, you know, you should use quantify, you know, you should quantify that, you should data to figure that out. You know, back-end closed data, back-end closed one, lost, um, you know, many people use predictive to look at that across thousands of different variables across the Internet. Um, and then, you know, the other thing on that is to just ask sales, right, you know, who they do. Because, look, at the end of the day, an ideal customer profile means that everyone in the company can look at an account when it comes in and goes, oh, yeah, we got this, son. And so, so that's that. But on the persona side, which is where you get a deep understanding of the person and how they buy, you can only do that by talking to them. I mean, uh, and, and what I've found is you don't even need to talk to a hundred of them. You just talk to a handful. Because when you get back to sales, so when you ask sales, tell me about the buyer, you get just a whole bunch of ridiculousness. But when you go to sales and say, here's what I know about the buyer, you get some of their genius. It's pretty incredible what happens. Because they have it all, they have it all in their head. They just don't have a structured way to talk about it. And, You're saying... Uh, we should probably join perhaps a couple walkthrough calls and then really frame the, the conversation going in and speaking to the sales rep instead of being more open, like, hey, who's their target market and what they care about? Yeah, well, no, what I'm saying, well, you can do that. What I'm saying is you should go interview your buyers. You should come back and say, here's what I found. Am I right or am I wrong? Do it in an open session with sales because they will – what I'm saying is if you walk into sales and tell me about your buyer, you're going to get anything good. But if you walk into sales and say, hey, I talked to 20 buyers, you don't even have to talk to a thousand. Everyone's like, oh, we need a good sample size. No, you don't. I'm telling you. You go, sales has it in their head. It's just not structured right. So you walk in and go, here's your buyer persona. Let's fight. And they will go through and they will give you everything. And some, many of it you'll change. Some of it you won't. And you'll end up with killer buyer personas. It's a combination of talking to the buyers and feedback from the people on the front lines. You just have to give the people on the front lines something that they could deliver real value to you with, you know, whether it's a worksheet or, you know, your hypothesis on it. Um, 
So it sounds like a nuance, right? You, you could probably go to them and say, here's an example, tell me more. I'm literally just telling you from experience. What I see works is go interview a bunch of them, go back, slap that thing on the wall, and you will get the conversation your company's had in the last three years. Awesome. Well, Craig, thank you so much for the time. I know I've been wrapping your head um, on a Friday, so I really appreciate it. But uh, before we left today, I have to bring up, you know, you have the Topo Sales Summit coming in uh, April 7th and 8th with some of the biggest leaders, highest growth companies uh, in the Valley here around San Francisco. Um, you know, I'm actually going to be attending from the marketing side. What would you say, <laughs> why should a marketer, you know, whether you're in demand gen or a traditional marketing director, uh, attend a sales summit like this, what might they get out of it? Well, actually, that has been interesting. Lots of marketers have been signing up BPs, uh, marketing, management, marketing ops. Um, so I think number one is uh, just a general point is whenever we do like inside sales, sales development content, the marketers eat it up faster than the salespeople. I think marketers know that they're judged and their life is on the line based on um, what another person does with their work. And so they're always way into what sales development and what sales is doing because they want to know. Their theory is sales is mucking everything up, right? Uh, they got to go figure it out. So they love this stuff in general. But what I would say specifically um, as of interest is you'll see some of the best um, – um, you know, sales development and sales organizations and how they convert um, so well and build a big business. And I think marketers generally want to know that and they want to know, you know, how they can integrate that into their own revenue process. The marketing operations guys, there's so much blend between them and sales operations. We have a big tech stack uh, presentation. So a lot of them are coming specifically saying that that's what they want to go see. Um, and then sales development, we have the only a dedicated sales development track and marketers just love that part because they are, sales development is like the uh, the silent killer of their conversion rates. And so they love talking about that. I mean, we do events where our sales development analysts don't hold the event for sales development people, marketing people come and it's just as filled as if we had just sales development people. So. I think everyone should come, too, because it's going to be fun. It's everyone who's anybody in SaaS, and, it's, um, and those events are killer. So, um, And hug any marketer who comes. That's a promise. I will hug, like bro hug. <laughs> well, you know, I, I may need some Irish coffees to get the courage beforehand, but I'll be uh, in the mix there, and I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I love it. I mean, yeah, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. <laughs> Well, Craig, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much, and uh, looking forward to the summit coming up. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. It was a fun conversation. Good job. Absolutely. Good Thank you. I appreciate it. Take care. All right. Good morning. Bye.